I think I heard Terry just saying something about her hollering at him. And uh, that's where she got those lungs from, I suppose. I don't know that. But uh, that might be where she got those lungs. I'm not sure. And then Terry's going. I know Terry guessed so well because we're kind of related by marriage. No, that didn't come out right. Whatever an in-law thing is. But, you know, you're probably going, now, Dwayne, that's about how your sermon should be. Short, to the point, and powerful. That's just it right there. Short, point, to the powerful. You know, I was thinking, uh, David was teasing me this morning. And he was teasing about the fact this morning, I, instead of saying you're a good, good father, that's who you are, I kept saying you're a dear, dear father, that's who you are. And he said him and Teresa were just going nuts over there, you know, no, it's good, good, good father. And then, but then I also, I noticed something very important. I noticed that, that I said this morning, and I do say, you know, when I, when I quote the song, you know, I am loved. But I don't say by him. It's not enough just to be loved. It's important we're loved by him. That's the power of that song. You know, it's like I, I looked up 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I do this. And I bet you do this in Scripture, too. You get it mostly right. Here's what 5, 21. Here's how I quote, quote 5, 21, 2 Corinthians. This has nothing to do with the message, by the way. For he made him, which I love. This is the most powerful Scripture. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteous of God. And that's how I usually quote it. But here's how it ends. Let me just read it again. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteous of God in him. And that's so important. So whether it's a song, yeah, it's, you know, if you got dear, dear, or goodness, but understand it's important that, that we're loved, not just loved, we're loved by him. And we have the righteousness of Christ, you know, in Christ, because of Christ. It's all because of Christ and nothing we've done. Amen? Like I said, it has nothing to do with the message, but that's all right. That's all right. You know, trust is something. We talked, obviously, a lot this morning about trust and, and how we can trust God. You know, trust is never just given. It's always earned. It's always earned. And what's powerful about God is that with God, he's earned the right to be trusted. He's never failed. Um, he's never gone a wrong way. He's never changed his mind on the, on the issues of the things like our salvation. You know, by the way, you need to know that. God's never going to change his mind about you. He's never going to change his mind about you. He has earned the right of trust. And you may say, well, things like, well, well, who is he and why does he deserve our trust? And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, this morning, I have four scriptures on that sermon sheet that were crucially important about trusting God. And it's just, they're scriptures that are just a real blessing. And that's what we want to do tonight. We want to go back and see what are the attributes of God that we can trust and need to trust in him. So go ahead. we got four scriptures. Let's look first off at Psalm 103, 1 through 5. 103, 1 through 5. And the first one is this. We can trust God because of his character. We can trust God because of his character. Now, again, this is almost like a shopping list of who God is. If it's one of those scriptures, you need to know where it is in the Bible because of the strength that it is um, in, in God. Now, here's what it says. Trust his character. Listen to this. Bless the Lord. And this, you had the song. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, we, now, let me give you a definition. It's like number two definition when you look at Hebrew and, uh, the Hebrew and, and Psalms. This is the definition. It really shouts out what this means. It means to bow the knee. It means to bow the knee. So the psalmist is saying, I'm bowing the knee to the Lord. And he's encouraging his soul to bow the knee to the Lord. And we need to be in total submission 
to God. We need to understand and believe with all our hearts that He is God. And He is a good, good Father. And He's a good, good God. And therefore, we bow our knee in submission to Him. And with all that's within me. It's kind of like this morning when we talked about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. With all of my heart and all of your ways. And so the psalmist says here, with all that's within you. Listen, no reservations, no regrets, no holding back. Everything that you are, bow the knee to the Creator God who loved you enough to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And not an amen. Shame on you. Uh, you that's right, I'm not supposed to be too harsh. I forgot. Can't be too harsh. But why, why can a pastor say those words and not get a response? Let's try it again. To the Creator God who sent His only Son to die for you and me that we could have forgiveness and redemption. How awesome of a love is that? Amen. Amen. Listen, you know, when Kim watches Cub game, whoo-hoo. When some of y'all Cards fans, whoo-hoo. I think we can do a whoo-hoo for Jesus. Be excited about what he's done for us. So, so he says, with everything that's within me, I'm going to bless the Lord. Then verse 2, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And here it is, here it is, here it is. And forget not his benefits. That might be why we don't get excited. Because we have a tendency to forget his benefits. We have a tendency to forget that He is a good, good God. And we have a tendency to forget that I am loved by Him. I am loved by Him. And especially is this true. Especially is this true in darkness. When something like what I read or what I told you this morning, the stories you know, of John the Baptist, of my, my niece, of Don Fulkerson, of that tragedy of that husband shooting the wife up upward in John's church, John McDonald's church, by his church. You know, things like that. In the darkness, we have a real propensity, we have a real tendency to forget his benefits. Rather than, so often, rather than draw circumstances often don't draw us to God, it has a tendency to push us away from God. And I'm telling you, the time that we need to be closest to God is when the darkness comes in. Now, once again, that happens, that happens when we as a people prepare for darkness by memorizing Scripture, by having a strong prayer life, by having an incredible worship time. When, when you gather, whether privately or whether you gather in a group of people, to, to be excited, no, no, to be genuinely excited, to be authentically excited about this incredible God. And so, if we're not careful, we'll forget His benefits. And then someone might say, you know, to the psalmist, well, what exactly are the benefits? And this is a short list. It's not a long list. It's not the entire list. That would take forever to do. But the psalmist says, well, for instance, He forgives all your iniquity. He forgives all your iniquity. No matter how many times you lie, no matter how many times you cheat, no matter how many times you steal, no matter how many times you're lust, if you are born again, if you're a child of God, and you go and plead the blood of Jesus Christ, He forgives all our, initially, all our iniquities. And, and incredibly, it happens upon salvation. And then every day we have the right, because He's a good, good Father, and He's a good, good God, and because we're loved by Him, we have the right to go to the Father and say, Father, I'm asking Your forgiveness. And you know what? He forgives us. That's just powerful, guys. That's just powerful. You know, I'm so glad there's not the giant scale. I'm so glad there's not a limit to His forgiveness. It's all 
It's all unlimited. So he says, man, forget not the fact that he forgives your iniquity. Do we deserve that? Did we ever deserve that? See, that's, again, that's why the passion. That's why the passion. I bet each one of us to some degree understand we didn't deserve this. I mean, it really is all grace. We didn't deserve this. And yet he takes the blood of his, he takes the blood of his son and smears it across the page of our iniquities and makes us white as snow. And it's the blood of His Son. So, who forgives all our iniquities? Who heals all our diseases? Who heals all diseases? Whoa, whoa, Dwayne. Whoa, Dwayne. That's not true because, you see, I had, a, I had an aunt, I had a sister, I had a brother. Well, listen here, brothers and sisters. And this is written to God's people. But if He doesn't heal here, He heals there. And that's not an escape goat. And that's not a whoops, a way out. That is the truth. Sometimes, miraculously, praise God, He still does miracles and He heals here. But ultimately, every child of God is healed in a place there. Who heals all our diseases. Who? Oh, how many of y'all had this one? Redeems your life from the pit. <laughs> Has your life ever been in the pits before? I mean, have you ever had a time you felt like that you look up and you can barely see the daylight? The pit is so deep. He delivers us from those pits. When you get to the end of your rope and hang on, there's Jesus to pull you up. There's Jesus to pull you up. And he says this, who crowns you. Isn't that a beautiful word? Who crowns you with steadfast love. He crowns you, Dwight, with steady love. He crowns you with unconditional love. God will stop loving you when God stops being God. That's another place for an amen. <laughs> God will stop loving you when He stops being God. And will, when will God stop being God? That would be never. 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 He holds, He's a steadfast, steady love. Not based on my performance like a puppet on a string where I do the right thing. He loves me when I don't. He doesn't. Oh, no, no, no. He loves me unconditionally. He loves me steadily. And, and, his mercy, his unmerited kindness toward us. That's the way of saying, yep, he's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. And I am loved by him. And that's what I am. His incredible love and his incredible mercy. And he satisfies us with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He sends blessing after blessing after blessing. It's a satisfied feeling. Now, y'all, I mentioned grazing in a while. Y'all still graze any at all in the kitchen? Isn't it, it, Andrea, isn't it just frustrating when you go in there and you eat 2,000 calories and you walk out going, well, that wasn't it. Isn't that just frustrating? Y'all, I'm, I'm seeing some heads nodding. You know, do you know with God, it's just not that way? God knows what we need when we need it. And we'll just recognize that, if we'll recognize that He's our satisfaction. Oh, come on, come on. He's our satisfaction. We'll be satisfied. The problem is, we don't recognize that He's our satisfaction. So we can trust God because of His character, because He forgave our iniquities, because He heals our diseases, because He redeemed my life from the pit, because He crowns my life with steadfast love and mercy, and He satisfied me with His blessings. How incredible is that? The second thing is this, and it's Isaiah 55, and these are just wonderful scriptures, some you're familiar with. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. 
Now, you know this one? You probably do. When I start reading it, you'll recognize it. Go ahead and take your Bibles. If you haven't turned there, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 11. And, and, and grasp the truth here. I, I personally quote this verse a lot or, or read it um, from the Bible. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel. And he says this, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. Now, let me ask you a question. You may have a wonderful marriage tonight, okay? But aren't there times when you and your spouse don't agree? Aren't there times, even in a good marriage, isn't there times when the husband and wife who love each other do not agree? And, and, you, and you say, well, honey, we're just not going to agree on this. There's a time not too long ago I had a friend. And one of my friends and I said, you know what, buddy? We're not going to agree on this one. We're just not going to agree. And the truth is, sometimes thoughts don't match up. Well, it's incredibly true with God. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts, he says. And your ways are not my ways, says the Lord. He has a different perspective. Um, he has a different plan. He has a different process. He's so far above us. Let God be big. Don't put your God in a box. Let Him be God. I am glad. I, and I hope you are too. I'm glad that His ways are not my ways. I'm glad His thoughts are not my thoughts. I'm glad that He's so much bigger than me that I can't even comprehend it. You know, He goes on and says this. I, I, this excited me. And I, I tested on Judy and got the right response. For as heaven is higher than the earth, as heaven is higher than the earth. Now, again, you could talk about the fact that maybe that's the standard of heaven is higher than earth standards, but really it's not because later on he says, um, just as the rain and snow fall from heaven. So, so it's not that. But as the heaven or the heavens are higher than the earth. Let, let me show you something here. I may have to look at my notes just a little bit. I looked up last night on the internet and found out that the... Have y'all heard the Hubble telescope? Have y'all seen some of the pictures? They're just incredible. Okay, the, the Hubble's telescope, in case you haven't heard, it's this gigantic telescope that's in space, and because there's none of the pollution and air and all that, it can see incredibly far, not to mention it's a powerful telescope. But anyway, so far, the, the Hubble telescope has seen, are you ready? It's seen 13.2 billion light years. Now just let that soak in. Now remember... For as heaven is higher than the earth. So as Hubble looks out into space, it can see 13.2 billion light years. Now, the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. Let that soak in. 186,000 miles per second. That means if I did my math right, and believe me, there's always possibly I didn't, that means in a year, traveling at the speed of light, something would travel, are you ready? 5.8 trillion miles. So in one year, if a rocket ship took off and could fly the speed of light, in one year, it would travel 5.8 trillion miles. Have you got that? Then, as far as Hubble has seen, multiply, <laughs> multiply 5.8 trillion times 13.2 billion light years, and that's how far Hubble sees. The light that Hubble has seen started its journey 
13.2 billion years ago. How high is heaven? Bigger than you can imagine. How big is God? Bigger than you can imagine. And you know, here's what Jesus' response, by the way, in case you're wondering. Dwayne, that's just too many numbers for me. My point exactly. We can't get our arms around how big God is. He's not a little baby God, and He's not a self-imposed God. He's not a rock God or a tree God. He is so big that the universe, well, beyond the universe, whatever you call that out there, galaxy after galaxy after galaxy, 5.8 trillion miles a year for 13.2 a billion years, and you're just getting started. And He created it all. <laughs> now, that's a great big God. That's a great big God. And, and He says, in case you're saying... I just can't figure God out. Well, the reason why is because his thoughts are 5.8 trillion times 13.2 billion miles bigger and higher than yours. That's incredible. That's just incredible. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, he gives a, he gives a, a, an idea of his purpose being accomplished. Here's what he says. Look at verse 10. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please. It will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. Now here's what I want you to take home tonight. God never said we have to understand. He does command us to trust Him. And I don't have all the answers. I, I don't know of a theologian who would be silly enough to say, well, I understand it all. We don't. But I do know we can trust God. And I know that God's purpose will not be thwarted. That's a place for an amen. God's purpose will not be thwarted. And you need to know, that Romans 8, 28 is still true. We used it at the end of the sermon this morning. You know, all things work together for good to those who love God who are the called according to His purpose. And if God is sovereign and if God is control and not Obama and not Satan and not his, uh, his demon, His fallen angels, if God is in control, then His purpose is going to be accomplished and there is nothing that Satan can do about that. And that's true in the universe and that's true in this world. And guess what? It's true in your life. It's true in your life. Grab a hold of that and take it. You may not like what God allows. You may not like the roadmap that God writes for you. But He can be trusted. Then He goes on and says this. Trust His provision. And where else could we go but 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 8 through 10. You know the story. Paul's got this thorn in the flesh. We're not sure what it is. Some think vision. Some think other things. And the Bible says in verse number 8, three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it would, should lead me. Can I ask you a question? What's your this? What have you pleaded with God? Three times, four times, five times? What is your this? And, and did you rationalize with God? And you say, you know, God, I can hear Paul. I can hear Paul. You know, you know, God, I could be a lot better apostle if I didn't have this. You know, you know, God, I could be a effect, more effective missionary if I didn't have this. Have you done that with God? You know, you know, God, it makes common sense to me. Lord, you know, if I didn't have this, then I could be a better servant for you. What is your this? 
What is it that, that you would like for God to get rid of? I could be better. I pleaded. I love the word. I pleaded with the Lord three times about this. That should lead me. And guess what he said? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace. Now here's... I know we have a real tendency to apply grace to salvation. And boy, is that right? <laughs> is that right? But it's bigger than that. You know, for instance... I don't know if it's first... I think it's Second Corinthians. Where Paul says how... You know, talking about giving... And he says, you've had grace in this and this and this. And then he says about giving, he says, and let this grace abound in you also. Grace can also be God's enabling power. Enabling power. And, and, what, and what, what he's saying to Paul is, hey, Paul, no matter if you have a this in your life, my enabling grace is sufficient. Come on now. Listen, listen here. So, so what is it in your life? You say, well, God, if you just take care of that, I would be a better believer. I'd be a better follower. I could do this better. I could do that better. And what God might be saying to you tonight is, guess what? My enabling power is sufficient for you. Be content in that. Be content in that. He, he, says, he says, my power, my enabling grace is made perfect in weakness. God says, when we're the weakest, He is the strongest. Because when we're weak, we surrender. When we're weak, we surrender. And when we surrender, His power is energized in our lives. So what's Paul's bottom line? It's what I've been trying to tell us all day. Here's what his bottom line was. It should be our bottom line. Therefore, he says, because of that, because of God's enabling power and that his power is made perfect in weakness, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness. The bottom line is, Paul trusted God. He didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get the prayer answered the way he did, how he wanted it. But, you know what, Lord? I'll boast all the more gladly my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Oh, we need to learn that. Not for my sake, but for the sake of Christ, then I'm content with these weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. So you can trust God's provision. See, I heard one time a pastor preach on grace and he said, you know, um, we have a chance to say, Oh, God, I'm afraid to die. God, I don't know how to die. And the answer is, you're not dying yet. When the time comes for you to die, His grace will be sufficient. When there's a major life change in your life, it's coming up and you're going, God, I'm so fearful, I don't know. And when you get there... His grace will be sufficient. No matter what the this is in your life, God's grace will be sufficient. And when the time comes, His grace will be sufficient. If there's major suffering coming in your life, His grace will be sufficient. If there's major stress in your life, His grace will be sufficient. If the the nominating committee knocks on your door... And says, you know, we really pray and we think you need to teach that class. And you say, I've never taught before. His grace will be sufficient. God speaks to your heart about your giving. You've been wanting to tithe, but you didn't have the faith to do it yet. And so God knocks on your heart's door and he says, listen, trust me because my grace is sufficient. Amen? Isn't that amazing? That's how powerful God is. He's not... 
He's not limited. He's unlimited. So we can trust His provision. And lastly, lastly, we can trust His love. Now, boy, could we have a good time with this one. We could go to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We could go to Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We could go to 1 John chapter 3, and verse number 1 where it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has given us. The verses of God's love are just unlimited. But there's an obscure, strange one and an obscure prophet, minor prophet called Zephaniah. Zephaniah, chapter 3 and verse 17. And we touched on this on a Wednesday night, and we almost had church over it. Here's what it says. The Lord your God. Someone say amen. The Lord your God. Your God. Not not only just my God, your God. The Lord your God is in your midst. Mm -hmm. Wherever you are, He is there. The psalmist said, if I ascend to the heavens, he is there. If I go down to Shoal, he is there. If I travel to the east, he is there. If I go to the west, he is there. The Lord your God is in your midst. Listen, he's in your midst. Your God in your midst. He's in your mess. Anyone here had a mess before? God's in the middle of it. I'm glad. He's in your midst. A mighty one. A mighty one who will say. Now, did you see something there? At least in this translation. Not can save, will save. See, God is mighty to save. Come on. God is mighty to save. It's not in question. When a sinner bows his knees, you know, bows the knee and requests Jesus to forgive his sins and come into his life, he turns from his sin, he will save. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The Lord your God, the mighty one, who will save, He, now this is so good, He will rejoice over you with gladness. Now, can you even comprehend that? Can you even get your arms around that? The Creator God of the universe will rejoice over you with gladness. See, a lot of us think that God has regrets about you. You think because you failed him yesterday that he's sorry he let you in the family. If he could change his mind, he would. And you're wrong. You're wrong. God the Father, the good, good Father, who you are loved by him, rejoices over you with gladness. When you get to heaven, and I know this isn't true, Preachers shouldn't say things that aren't true, but it sure preaches a good principle. When you get to heaven, it's not going to be this, oh, no, we've got to let Nita in. We've got to let her in. She did that grace thing. I just believe. You know, when, when the psalmist said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, I determined that God not only loves me, he likes me, and heaven will be more complete when we get there. When we get there. So, so when he says, he rejoices over you with gladness. That's worth the price of admission right there. But it goes on. He will, now listen, imagine that dark place. He will quiet you. He will quiet you by his Love. 
Oh, I love to see my, my daughters. All of them are good mamas. And, and last weekend, we were out on a family gathering. And a silly wasp, who shouldn't even been awake yet, it was too cold, you know, stung Ellie on the hand. And it hurt, and her heart was broken, and she didn't understand. And I watched how Jennifer cuddled her and loved her. Daddy tried. I mean, she's a daddy's girl. But when it came to pain and suffering, she wanted her mama. And mama just rubbed it and loved it and, and just hugged her, said, be okay, honey, and loved her. And that's, listen, eventually, I couldn't do it, Matt couldn't do it, but the mama's love calmed the little baby. And God's love will quiet you if you'll let it. God's love will quiet you if you let it. It's a calming effect. So in the midst of your darkness, when it, and all this has to be prepared for, listen, that won't happen if you're not prepared. If you don't now, if you don't now, if you don't now get into the Word and get this in your heart and determine, you know, you've got to determine what you're going to do in the dark time before the dark time comes. You just got to. So if you'll, if you'll get in the Word and determine right now that I'm going to sense and seek God's love in my dark time, it will be a calming effect for you. Will it take all the pain away? The truth is no. Because suffering hurts. But will it be a calming effect? Yes, it will. And then, if it couldn't get any better, God writes these words to the minor prophet Zephaniah. He will exult over you with loud singing. He will exult over you with loud singing. He will rejoice over you with loud singing. He will display joy over you with loud singing. Now here's what you've got to get. This is not just the Billy Grahams of the world. This is not the Spurgeons and the Moody's of the world. No, it's not at all. This is the children of God. And He will rejoice, display joy over His child, you included, with loud singing. I'm not sure what that means. I don't know. But the thought of the Creator God singing over me and because of me is pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And let me tell you something. I don't care if it's an obscure prophet or not. It's the Word of God. And you bask and you abide in His awesome, wonderful love tonight, knowing that, that He's going to be in your midst. He's going to save. He's going to rejoice over you with gladness. He's going to quiet you with His love. And somehow, some way that we don't understand, we may understand when we get to heaven, He exalts, He rejoices with gladness over us with loud singing. So can we trust God? Yes. He is a good, good Father. He's a good, good God. He's, Rebecca's not here. He's a gooder God than we can guess. Amen? He's just a wonderful God. And He's our Father. He's our Father. He's our God. So when dark times come and difficulty comes, when God doesn't make sense and life doesn't make sense, we still can trust Him because He's a good, good Father. And who are we? We are loved by Him. Let's pray. Amen. God is so good.
we, we don't know. I never would have dreamed that my niece was going to die last Monday. It just was, was nowhere on the radar. Don was 77, but still in good health. No one saw that coming. We often don't see the darkness coming. Sometimes we can. It's like a storm brewing on the horizon. But I'm telling you, the time... Listen to your pastor. Listen to your pastor. The time to prepare is now. And I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm not talking about... I'm going to memorize five verses on love and five verses on wisdom and five verses on character and five verses on provision. I am talking about an implementation, uh, implementation phase of those things in your life now so when the darkness comes, you'll be ready. And by ready, I mean you'll be ready to trust God. Should you trust Him in the sunshine? Yes. But we should trust Him in the darkness. So this is a decision time tonight. Maybe God's spoken to you. And again, we, we, t- we teach that you know, some folks believe there's magic power in the altar. And we know there's not that. But maybe you want to come tonight and pray and have some people pray for you. Maybe there's some kind of decision that after today's messages and worship, you need, there's a decision you need to make. I love it. Ruby called me before church and said, Brother Dwayne, I wanted to come forward last week so bad, and I just couldn't do it in front of all those people, but I'm coming today. She had made a resolution to come and recommit her life. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to surrender tonight. Maybe you just want to sit there quietly as Dave plays and sings and, and as some of us sing and just talk to the Father right there in your pew. I don't know. Whatever God wants you to do, I ask you that you do that. God, thank you for being so incredible. Thank you so much. We are loved, and you are a good, good Father. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.